Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. Looking back at a dramatic day of tennis at Melbourne Park. Men's semi-final day. Always, I think, one of the best days of any Grand Slam. You have back-to-back semi-finals. Uh, everything's on one court. Hopefully things don't run too late and too long. Uh, and it all kind of comes together on what is day 13, of course, of this 15-day tournament. Only two to go. And we now know that the final will be Daniil Medvedev against Yannick Sinner. Uh, very much a, a day of two halves, I suppose, because two very different matches in their own way. Uh, let's start with the obvious news that Novak Djokovic has finally lost a match at Melbourne Park. The first time in six years, would you believe it, that he has lost a match. Yannick Sinner downing him in four sets. I mean... He joins that that sort of um, amazing club of players who have beaten Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open. Denis Istomin is one of them. Chun Hyun is another one of them. Of course, the last one six years ago. And frankly, Novak's elbow wasn't really right at the time either, which I appreciate all defeats need context, but I always feel that bit of context is sometimes overlooked a little. Um, 6-1, 6-2, 6-7... 6-3, Sinner had a match point in the tiebreak uh, and frankly just, in the words of Calvin, rolled a forehand into the net. Um, but he, he then had four break, three break points, I should say, in the fourth game of the fourth set. Um, didn't take them, but then eventually broke and served out the match. I won't say nervously, because there was a double fault in that service game, but he did manage to get over the line and, and see off Djokovic. Uh, afterwards, Djokovic called it the worst Grand Slam match he's ever played that he can remember, um, which is quite remarkable. I should say that he, you know, he did congratulate Sinner first. Said he completely outplayed. He said he outplayed me completely today. I was in a way shocked with my level in a bad way. There's not much I was doing right in the first two sets. Sinner also admitted he thought Djokovic was really poor in those first two sets. Yeah, I guess this is one of the worst Grand Slam matches I've ever played. 
Not a very pleasant feeling playing this way, but at the same time, credit to him for doing everything better than me in every aspect of the game. Um, it's very odd, really. I don't. I. It's always quite hard to process a Djokovic defeat, but he often has explanations, or some would call them excuses, for his performances. And he didn't really have any on this occasion. You know, he said he's not played his best tennis throughout the Australian Open, bar the Manorino match, which obviously he very nearly triple bageled the Frenchman, and, and it's a great matchup anyway. Um, and I, I think, yeah, he's not played loads of really good tennis. He got pushed by Dino Prismic in the opening round, of course, but we all kind of went, okay, Djokovic, slow start, not a surprise, feeling a bit ill. Alexi Popperin had a really good chance against him and frankly blew it. And then he beat Echeverry in straight sets and we all went, ah, okay, here we are. Novak has arrived. But Taylor Fritz had chances against him as well. And, and I think the standards that he holds himself to and the standards that we hold him to are so high that, you know, even winning matches but not winning them completely faultlessly is... We all sort of go, oh, well, what's wrong with Novak? Um, the big question I was asked by, you know, editors, fans, people, is Novak slowing down? Um, I don't know if he's actually slowing down because he looks as physically fit as he ever has to me. I wonder whether the mental energy is still there. That was what I've sort of taken away from the last two weeks from Djokovic. He's been a bit flat. You know, he's had to pick fights with the crowd and find ways to fire himself up. But against Sinner, he, he wasn't even really doing that. He, he, he had a bit of a fallout with Damien Dumasois, the umpire, because he didn't think he was keeping the crowd in check. It was a bit like a football match at times. There were a lot of Serbs in, as there always are here in Melbourne. But the Italians were really making themselves heard, even though there were clearly fewer of them. And, you know, it was pretty rowdy. I think Dumaswad did a fine job, to be perfectly honest. I don't think you could criticise him too much for that. But I just thought Djokovic never really, you know, looked like he was going to burst out of his shirt. And maybe that is a bit of time catching up with him. And, you know, there is pressure as well. We saw, if you remember the year he, he came within one match of completing the Grand Slam. And he lost to Daniel Medvedev and... I think very clearly the pressure got to him on that occasion. He And he would admit that as well. And, and the mental fatigue got to him. And I just wonder whether being on top for this long is starting to wear on him. And whether the motivation to keep racking up records is really there. You know, you can imagine in those moments when he's really hurting or tired or he misses his family. When he goes, what's the difference between... 24 slams and 30 slams really you know do I really want to and, and it's getting harder and harder every year for him you know his body gets a little bit older things get harder to stretch in starts to pick up injuries you know, when was the last time he played the Australian Open without some sort of injury and you've got to wonder at what point he says this isn't worth it there's so much other stuff I could be doing with my life than maybe winning Grand Slams but you know now Sinner thinks he can beat him Alcaraz thinks he can beat him that's two people two more than there were two years ago who thought they could beat him who knows maybe Rafa Nadal comes back and, and is a pretty good tennis player at Roland Garros later this year and okay he's not going to be around forever but you know 
they chip away at, at Djokovic. And when Sinner then joins that top echelon, maybe Holger Rune says, actually, if Sinner can do it, I know I can. And then maybe, I don't know, Jack Draper looks at it and goes, well, if these lads can get in, then, you know, I think I'm pretty much as good as they are. So I should be able to go and beat Djokovic at Grand Slams. And then Alexander Zverev all of a sudden gets over his, you know, Grand Slam wobbles. Maybe Hubert Hurkacz does too. Maybe Francis Tiafo gets more... And, you know, it just one brings two, brings three, you know, like a like a rope ladder, I think. And if Novak Djokovic goes into a Grand Slam next year and all of a sudden there are three or four or five guys in the draw who think they can beat him and are right... I think then you you must start to think, God, is this worth it? But I don't know. He he's a remarkable man and has a remarkable mindset, and maybe he he will you know come out of it and say, actually, this is going to drive me on further and harder. But I didn't get that impression from him after the Sinner defeat. The way he was talking. I mean, he did say, look, I'm I'm hot headed at the moment, and and therefore not able to really reflect in the right way. He said it's difficult to reflect on things in a more profound way. Maybe in a few days' time, I'll definitely have a lot to be proud of. But I just, I just didn't get that vibe from him. But you know, that's just that's just my opinion and my guess from sitting in front of him for goodness knows how many days and hours over the years. Um, look, brilliant performance from Yannick Sinner. Like, I don't think Djokovic thinks he's very good. Like he, he was, he said. He said, oh, he was always smacking the ball really hard from the forehand and backhand corner. He's famous for that. Just slaps the ball, plays very quick, loves to be aggressive. I think his serve has improved. He hits his corners very well. I think, I really don't think John Grish thinks he's that clever a tennis player. I think he is a bit more intelligent than that. And I think he, he does shape the ball a bit more and he does do a bit more with the ball on both wings than, than just slap it. Um, but he does hit it very hard and... Darren Cahill actually mentioned it in his pre-final press conference, who, of course, is one of Sinner's coaches, along with Simone Vagnozzi. And he says the sound the ball makes when he hits it is pretty amazing. And it just sounds like he hits it harder than everyone else. Um, he said Rafa was the exact same. Roger, when he hit a whole forehand, Novak on both wings, it's like a thud. But it's just not a normal person striking the ball. And I think that's a great way of putting it. The the noise that Yannick Sinner makes when he hits a tennis ball is just different. And there's lots about him that is different. He's not... Uh, Vagnozzi said as much. He said, look, he's from a different... He's from South Tyrol, which for people who don't know is um, in Alpine, Italy, up in the north, near the Austrian border. And, yeah, they're a bit less um, red-blooded than most Italians, you might say. And Sinner is very reserved. And I, I tried to sort of draw him out a little bit in the press conference and I said is it deliberate is it is it just who you are and, and he said yeah this is this is me like I don't let the emotions come out too much and I said well what so if you win the final you know shirt off and he said well we'll see what brings on Sunday um and I yeah I, I think you might see a bit more emotion from him but even then you know I was there when he won Davis Cup in Malaga and you know they really had to kind of force him to grab the trophy and give it a bit of a pump and the rest of it. And, yeah, I just think it's who he is. And I hope that people learn to love that because at the moment I think 
not very many people know who Yannick Sinner is in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, in, in the ordinary sports fan. I don't mean you, people listening at home, but people who don't listen to Tennis Unfiltered, and there are one or two still out there who don't, believe it or not. Um, I think they, you know, don't necessarily know who Yannick Sinner is at the moment. If he wins the Australian Open, then I think, yeah, sure, why not? And if he goes and has a big result at Wimbledon, I know he's made a semi, but, you know, then British people know who he is. I think he's pretty popular at Roland Garros. You know, he certainly draws big crowds. Obviously, there's a lot of Italians there as well, which helps. Uh, and I think Roland Garros is a great chance for in the way he's playing. Um, you know, Clay, I think, was really his preferred surface coming up. George always used to say that the clay was where he expected him to do best. And George has been going on about Yannick Sinner for about four years. Um, so I think there is something to be said for him at the French Open, but I think there's a lot to be said for him here at the Australian Open because he's in great form. He's only dropped one set, and that was to Novak Djokovic in a tiebreak where, frankly, he probably should have won it. And, you know, if you can do that against Djokovic, why not do it against almost anyone else? He will play, of course, Daniil Medvedev after he came through a five-setter against Alexander Zverev. It didn't necessarily need to be that way, someone said afterwards. Um, but he did win 5-7-3-6, 7-6-7-6-6-3, uh, coming from two sets down to win in four hours and 22 minutes. Yet another five-setter for Daniil Medvedev. Who's, I mean, he, he said he was pretty exhausted after about two sets in the uh, quarterfinals when he beat uh, Herkatch in five, but... He seems to have pulled up all right. He, he's now played three five-setters and a four-setter against Nuno Borges, um, Calvin's friend. And uh, yeah, he looks all right. I mean, he always looks knackered, but he got through it. Um, it wasn't the most grueling match, but there were some long rallies in there. And as I say, it went past four hours. And that, you know, you spend that long on court having to battle the mental energy of playing you know, one of your great rivals. We all know about Medvedev and Zverev and how much they don't get on. There weren't many flashpoints after, afterwards. Um, someone saw him mouthing to his box, karma. Um, he was asked about it afterwards and said he didn't say karma. The karma reference would have been to a line in the Netflix doc where Zverev said, I do believe in karma, and if you wish bad on someone, then the bad's going to come back to you. Uh Medvedev says he wasn't saying that. He said it was something to do with mindset, and someone suggested that it could be calma, which, you know, meaning calm in Italian and often used just to mean calm, chill out, you know, calma, calma. Um, and I, 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 I would be happy to buy that as well. Um, but he played really well in those last three sets and turned it round. And, you know, he he's such an interesting character and... He has now been here a lot of times before. I think I'm right in saying this is going to be his sixth Grand Slam final. Okay, he's only won one of them. I am right in saying that. But look at the people he's played in Grand Slam finals. Well, there's only two of them. Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic. That, that he's even won one is pretty impressive. But, you know, there is some scar tissue there. He obviously lost to Nadal here, having been two sets up. Um, he was two sets down against Nadal at the US Open, came back and then lost the fifth. You know, he, he has had a lot of heartbreak in Grand Slam finals, but he's also won one. And I think that, that belief is really helpful. And I also think he's just such a an intelligent guy and a he's good at managing his emotions, I think. 
he does often, you know, have outbursts and say mad things and shout at umpires. But he does seem like someone who does it in quite a controlled way. And we haven't seen much of that out-of-control Medvedev at this tournament. So I do think he's got a real handle on his emotions. It's kind of horrible to say that we're going to have two guys, you know, who are going to bore out a final because they're so in control. I don't think that's what's going to happen because Grand Slam finals are such a pressure cooker that they, they bring people out of themselves. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them both really starting to explode. Um, how's the match going to go? I think it's very hard to tell. I think certainly early on, because you've got two very good servers there, I can imagine it being pretty quick early on. Um, I think Medvedev's serve is just huge, whereas Sinner's is just quite a little bit tricky to read, and he hits the spot so well that probably doesn't matter whether you read it or not. Um, Sinner had a really good return game against Djokovic, and that that's huge. You know, he, he says he was guessing a bit, but he guessed right a lot if he was, and I think he is a really good returner. And, that, and that's probably, I think, where he won and lost is on, you know, Yannick Sinner's return of serve. I think if he has a good returning day, he can win. I think if he doesn't have a good returning day, then he's going to find himself under a lot of pressure. And, you know, Medvedev will drop into that really deep return position, make Sinner play long rallies, really put that forehand under pressure. We did see it kind of wilt a little bit in a few moments against Djokovic. And I think, you know, what I found really interesting about Medvedev against Verev is Medvedev took on the Zverev backhand. He was not afraid to go backhand to backhand and trade on what is, is I mean, not supposed to be, it is Zverev's best shot. And he was willing to take it on and try and break it down. And, you know, you have to say in the end it worked. So, fascinating matchup. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of um, Calvin on Saturday night before... Uh, I'm just trying to do the maths. So that you can listen to some of Calvin on Saturday night before you go to bed and then wake up for the final on Sunday. Um, I'll, of course, be back after the women's final as well. I'm not going to talk about it too much because by the time you listen to this, it may already be over or at least in progress. It's Arena Sabalenka against Zhang Xinwen. What you might not be aware of, and I've written something about, is that Arena Sabalenka has been signing her coach's bald head before every match at this year's Australian Open. And uh, she... It seems to be working, so she won't stop. Um, Jason Stacey is her performance and fitness coach. He's also done a lot of work on her mindset, and I think it'll be. Um, I think he's been a really big part of of her getting herself together, and I think he will continue to be a big part. And if if she wins, which everyone expects her to do, for all Junxing Wen's talents. Um, I think Jason Stacey should take an awful lot of credit. Um, yeah, but you will already know, perhaps, whether she has won by the time you listen to this. Uh, good luck, everybody. If, you, if you're a betting man and you've, or woman and you've found a way to bet on that women's match, I mean, I'm struggling to see any value in it at all. But good luck, and most importantly, please come back tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.